0: You know, I just have to say it, Richard. Richard Sullivan's in the house, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Hallelujah. If you've got your Bibles open to Luke chapter 1, we've already heard the story. Somebody jumped all over my sermon right off the bat this morning. So if you got here on time, you heard it. If you didn't, it's fresh. It's the only time I'm going to advocate lateness. <laughs> Man, I couldn't help but think as you were singing that song just a minute ago about uh, "Make Me a Vessel." I was, I was thinking about where, where the, but um, Lord instructed Jeremiah to go to the potter's house. Check it out, he says. <sighs> It, it just came alive like crazy. It's a broken, it's a broken vessel. It it didn't have right shape. It it fell apart. And it says the Potter took that destroyed, broken vessel and remolded it into something that could t- contain what he wanted it to contain. That's just a beautiful, beautiful picture of where we are with the Lord this morning. This is kind of an interesting message. Um, I'm going to tie some things together that uh, I believe the Lord has given me to to to, to talk about Christmas. And 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 um, I think you guys at the ministry, Robert, are reading a book called "The Hole in Our Gospel." It's not the hole in the gospel. It's our gospel. It's a book uh, Brandon was sharing with me the other night that is talking about how we, we, we need a paradigm shift when it comes to the things of the Lord because the church has done a really good job of selling all the blessings in the last couple of decades in an unrealistic fashion. In other words, Christianity really um, isn't this, you know, you, you come get on God's team and everything's going to be great. You're never going to have any more problems in your life. You know, kind of this this blessing, prosperity, which is true. But that process of prosperity sometimes has you lose a toe. Right. And you learn learn through that process. One of the things Pamela just told and came up to me and said, you know, we learn through the process. It's through through what we've been through, what God God showed us, and and so when we look at the Christmas story, what I want to do this morning is I want to kind of get us some sobriety as we look at it, um, and and it it's, it's just kind of unique and it's kind of weird how the Lord is kind of laying this out for me because, you know, the thing that happens is the angels show up with the shepherds. We, I think we talked about this last week or Monday night prayer, or I talked about it with my wife, or I've talked about it recently anyway. It was with you. Say, <laughs> Rejoice. Rejoice. So, so there's this posture of rejoicing when they knew what was going to happen to Jesus. There's this posture of rejoicing when they knew that every two year old in Bethlehem was going to be slain. Rejoice! For I bring you good tidings of of joy, great joy. And so there's this posture of joy that we have to take in the midst of knowing that trials are coming and tests are coming and it's not going to be perfect, but but God's going to work us through in the process that, that we're going to be crushed, but we have to rejoice in the crushing, Cheryl. Because it's in the crushing that we actually have the ability to see God. And, and that's how God reveals himself to us. It's interesting, isn't it? Rejoice, you're about to be crushed. Just doesn't make much sense, does it? It's kind of weird, isn't it? Well, where do you see what I'm going to talk about today. You know, when Mary gets the announcement from the angel Gabriel... It's you know, she is about to be impregnated by God, but nobody is going to believe her. We talked about it last week. How how far-fetched could that story be? I mean, could it be any more far-fetched than what Mary has to communicate if somebody says, So what's going on? How you doing? (laughs) What does Mary say? How does she respond to Uh, somebody's inquiry. So let's look at the story. Let me go over it with us. We've got it on the screens. I'm pretty positive. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38 is what I'm going to read. It's Gabriel announcing Christ's birth. It says, Now in the sixth month of the angel Gabriel was sent by God. Now that's the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy is what this is referring to. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy the angel Gabriel who is the same angel who's going to blow the trumpet when when the end is Gabriel's the one that's bringing the message just for your information so that same Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named named Lazarus to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David the virgin's name was Mary and having come in and by the way, the angel did come in. That obviously used the door, I would assume. The angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. Rejoice again is the greeting. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. You're blessed. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what kind of manner of greeting this was. Rejoice. Rejoice. Mm. And then the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Grace is upon you. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and he shall call his name, and you shall call his name Jesus, Joshua. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom There's never going to be an end. Verse 34. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power, when there's new wine, there's new power, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her, who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Now, there's, there's something that I want us to glean from this that I don't know that we would ever normally glean, so y'all just have to look at me and go, man, you're weird. I don't know how you got that out of there. But what I want to do, and why the Bible is written, is not just to, to give us the information about God, it is give us the information so we can follow God. It is this following thing. And so, and so what I see in that is I see this impossible task that's been asked of Mary, this God-sized task that's been asked of Mary, and Mary goes, how in the world is that going to happen? And he says, there's going to be power given to you so that it can happen. It's the God's going to do the work. God's going to do the work. He He's given the assignment, and he's going to do the work. You need to hear that. You, you're not here by accident. You're not on this planet to take up space and to breathe, breathe carbon monoxide. Oh, we don't do that. We breathe oxygen, but because of global warming. Uh, that's right. That's right. I, no, no. We're not here just to take up space and and take up air, right? You're here on mission. You're, You're here because God had purpose for you, His purpose. He has that purpose for everyone who will receive. And then as you go, He gives you more and more assignments as you learn to follow Him. As you get where you respond to him more regularly, your assignments get more regular, and they get deeper and harder. And so Mary was given favor because she had lived a life of holiness. She she was the one chosen by God. And when God says, I'm going to give you this assignment and I'm going to empower you, what I love about this and when I think, if the church would just get a hold of this next thing I'm about to uncover, it would, it would just help so many people make the wrong, wrong choices. When, when, when God does something big or when he asks you to do something big, he will always reveal himself that you're actually hearing him. And he does that oftentimes through other people. Most times he does that through other people. And you need to get affirmation that you're hearing God from other people. And he does the same thing to Mary. Because what he says to Mary is this hey, your cousin, the one that everybody calls barren, looks down upon because she's not blessed by God, because she can't conceive. It was the worst fate of any woman of the day, it was shame placed on that person in society and culture. The one that they make fun of and have reproach and call barren. She's six months. It's interesting that the angel follows that up with because nothing is impossible with God. And so Mary's like, I, I, I'm sure the next day she's like, was God, right? And when They didn't have pizza back then, so it couldn't have been bad pizza. I mean, it had to be, you know. Well, I'll go go visit her. And she shows up, and certainly she's six months, and the baby leaps in the womb at Mary's presence, and John the Baptist is filled with the Holy Spirit. In the womb. And Elizabeth prophesies this beautiful prophecy over Mary. And Mary sings this incredibly prophetic song, empowered by God for what? Confidence, surety, the ability to actually carry out the task assigned. It's much easier to walk in something where you're sure that you've heard God. You're confident. How do you know? Because he touched me. Because he spoke to me. Because he's working. I've seen the hand of God. I've seen kingdom following me as I go. He's revealing something that I would normally not be able to know as I go. And so that's happening with Mary. And, 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 and then you see in uh, verse 37, he says, nothing's impossible. In 38, he says, then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, the servant, the one who does whatever you ask. You say, I'll get it. You say, I'll do it. And I like the way my version puts it. It says, let it be, and this is a word for word, let it be according to your word. You know, if you look at what Scripture says about His word, it never returns void. It always accomplishes what it was sent to accomplish. It's always got power on it. It it already knows the future the word does. And, And Mary is saying, I release that into the atmosphere. Let it be. I agree. I align. Let it be according to your word. And the angel then leaves. So Mary responds to the word of God, to the message from God, to her with let it be. You know, there's nothing that the Lord is looking for more than a Christian that will say to him, I'm your maidservant. You're my master. Let it be unto me as you say. Now when Mary said that, she knew that she was blessed. She'd already said there's this blessing. You've, you've gotten favor from God. That he, he sees something in you, which he sees something in all of us because he, he loved us so much that he sent his son and he died. There's no greater love than this that a man lay down his life for his friends and Jesus lays down his life. He sees something in you as well. But when she hears the word, she receives it, and she counts the cost, because she begins to say this and this and this. You know, this didn't happen and that didn't happen, and and how's this going to be? And what you know, she starts, and then and then when he gives her the information, she doesn't expect this to be an easy road. She knows she's going to get ridiculed. She knows she's going to have to give an answer to those who are gossiping behind her back. She knows that it's going to, it's going to be tough. And there's not going to be, in, as far as the general culture, there's not going to be affirmation. Not in that day. There's just not going to be. There will be a few, like the wise men who come and bring gifts, a diary. A, what do you call that thing? A, a, yeah, that thing. You know, a a hope chest, a a thing that probably financed them for a long time. Maybe even put Joseph in business. Who knows? But it was worth a lot of money. And and she always had those memories. And and they came and they bowed down and they worshipped. And and it had to just bless her heart to see that occur. Wouldn't you agree? Wow. All these people have been really cute. Here's three dudes right here. They, They get it. These three get it. These two hundred that are ridiculing me—they mean, don't get it. So it's—it's it's, she. She counted the cost. She understood what she was getting into, but she never would have ever seen. I, I bet she began to search the scriptures about what what the Old Testament said about about the Messiah. Don't you? What, what you know? What the future was going to hold. But I guarantee you, she never would have seen in her mind's eye, or never would have wanted to go through the process if the Lord would have showed her what she was going to have to witness as far as the, the, the ripping apart of her only son. The only son of God. Not her only son, the only son of God. That, that he was unrecognizable. Unrecognizable. He was beat so badly, and she witnessed it. she was there and and Jesus said to John, behold your mother, behold your son. I mean just just this this wrecking, you know if I'd have seen that, would you she would she have said according to your word? I don't know that she would. It would have been difficult, wouldn't it? You know if you know all the hardship that you're going to have to face. As a Christ follower, you might not follow Christ and 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 that that's that's what I want to bring out today. That that following Jesus doesn't make all your problems go away. Now you can increase them by not obeying the word. But you're going to have you're going to miss you might stick your foot in a in a wrong shoe. You know, last week I preached on it. I don't know if you got a chance to hear it yet, but you did <laughs> Which one was it? Addie. Addie goes home and they ask Cheryl asking what she got they got out of the sermon and, they, and Addie said, I, I'm I I'm gonna really watch what I stick my foot in. <laughs> 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 but stuff happens. And in the process, in in the moving through, God reveals himself, gives you so many opportunities. But but your problems don't go away. But you rejoice in your problems because if you respond by the word, then then you bring glory to God. Isn't that weird? I told you I was going to get weird on you. It doesn't look like you should rejoice in the crushing. But, what, but Mary was told to rejoice. You're, you're blessed. I'm blessed because I get the Son of God. But i got to watch him be totally decimated, just ruined and murdered and hung on a cross as his mother. That's part of the deal. And it says about Jesus that he counted it all joy to be able to do. You go, wow, that, that messes you up. It, it's because God will manifest himself in the going, in the crushing. He, he He shows us who he is. He shows us his power. He shows us things that are miraculous. He shows us the miraculous in those times. Dr. Joe, when you were in the bed, when you were totally immobile for two years, there was the miraculous one day. Or, and it was a gradual year process. But she responded even though she knew part of the cost. And the reason I want to say that is because later on when Jesus is teaching, there's this woman, and, and it's found in Luke chapter 11, verse 27, and, and, and Jesus is actually teaching on how to attack non-kingdom stuff. I'll just put it that way. You can go look at it and see what it's talking about. But he, he, he's, he's talking about pretty hyper-spiritual stuff about getting into the invisible realm and doing business. And she says, As he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said this. Now, how would you like to hear this? Blessed is the womb that bore you in the breast at which you nursed. That would be a weird thing to hear from the crowd, wouldn't it? (laughs) (laughs) And then Jesus responds, no, let me tell you what blessed is. Blessed are those who hear the Word of God and keep it. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? You see, there's this, there's this thought process of what blessed looks like. And God says, you're blessed? That ain't my blessed. My blessed looks different than your blessed. My blessed has tribulation. My blessed has trials. My blessed brings victory in the battle. But there is a battle. (laughs) Blessed are you among women, he says to Mary. And he says that those who are blessed are the ones who keep the word. Who hear the word and keep it. So Jesus immediately, with the word blessing, puts the emphasis on doing the word. There are way too many people who get the first part of that verse but don't get the second part. Jesus says that that blessed are the people who hear the word. And he doesn't stop. Because hearing the word doesn't bring blessing. Doing the word brings the blessing in the midst of the battle, in the midst of hardship, blessing comes. So, in Matthew chapter five, Jesus is uh, he's uh, uh, teaching, and he 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 puts a uh, another spin on the on the word of God. He says this. He says. Don't think that I came to abolish the law and the prophets. The reason he says that and the reason it has that that kind of negative tone is because they're thinking that he's abolishing the law. And what the prophets taught and what Jesus is saying, hey, 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 get this right. and You really need to hear this in today's teachings that you can hear about how the Old Testament's done and the New Testament is, you know, The Old Testament's not done. The Old Testament reveals Messiah. And and then you get empowered to actually keep what the Old Testament says. But look what Jesus says, and I want you to really hear it. Don't think that I came to abolish the law of the prophets. I did not come to abolish the word of God, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota. I love that, English Standard Version. How many of you have said, don't move not one iota, or I'll get I'll give you a spiking. How many have used the word iota and don't have a clue what iota is? What is an iota? How big is it? Don't you move an iota? Was that a mile or is that two miles? I don't know how big is an iota. What is an iota? Who knows what an iota is? It's cousins. An iota is the smallest Greek letter. Right? That's all you do, that? It's the smallest Greek letter. So now you know and can use iota in sentences with intelligence. <laughs> Don't you move, not one iota. <laughs> I think that's so funny. Anyway. So he says that not one, not the smallest punctuation mark in the, in the alphabet. Not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever, listen to the way the I love this. Listen to the way and the warning from Jesus about the word. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments, do you hear that word? Relaxes it. It's not, you know, it's it, He didn't really mean it that hard. This is, you know, isn't that strong? Don't you think that's a little strong? Let me relax that a little bit because it makes it, if you you teach it like that, it makes it hard, and it's all over the church, this relaxing of the Word of God so that it is palatable, so that it is sellable, so that it is marketable. (laughs) <laughs> but Jesus says, don't relax it. Not even the least of these commandments. But anybody who relaxes the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom. And so Jesus is saying, hey, don't relax the word. Don't, you know, Emphasize it. Take it at full measure. Make sure that you're listening to what's said. Because I didn't come to take any of it away. I actually came to empower you to actually do it. So that you can be blessed. Because blessing comes with the doing of it. And if you relax it, you don't do it. Somebody say amen. And so... Jesus is trying to get you blessed. <laughs> He's trying to get you blessed, but it's hard. Yeah. Wait till you start doing and you get crushed. And then, and then you're tested to see in the crushing if you'll actually do the doing. Or will you revert back to your old man in your old ways? And your old way of thinking. Or will you do the word knowing that if you do the word, you'll be blessed? So I want to tie that into this next thought process. This blessing thought process. And doing the word process. And and blessing in what Jesus says about it because, because it's not easy. And that's really what I want to communicate this Christmas: that you can rejoice, but <laughs> we need to rejoice. We're gonna to get to know God, but it's not gonna be easy. Blessed, listen, blessed are the poor in spirit. Listen to all the blessed. Blessed are the ones who are humble and realize that they can't do nothing without God. Blessed are they. Because the kingdom of heaven is theirs, they'll see things that others won't see, because they are relying on God. They're surrendered to God. They are saying to the Lord, "Here is your maid servant." Blessed are they. Blessed are those who mourn. And 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 that whole mourning process means that you know you're you're in this struggle. And and, and why are you blessed? Because in your mourning, as you do the word you're going to be comforted because the comforter is going to come. You're going to have an encounter with God. And so you're blessed if you mourn. uh, They'll inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. They shall be filled if you hunger and thirst after the word, after the way, after righteousness. You're going that that whole Greek word has this idea of like Thanksgiving dinner, or maybe Christmas dinner that we're going to have in the next couple days, where you know you go in hungry. I mean, you prepare yourself like you don't eat for two days. (laughs) Prepared. Yeah. You want breakfast? Nah. I'm saving it so I can just gouge my gorge myself, gouge it, gorge myself, in, in two and a half hours, and I'm going to eat for four. That meaning of filled, satisfied. Blessed are the mercy full. For they will receive mercy. The mercy of God. Blessed are the pure in heart. Those who want God's way no matter what. Those who choose Him. In his word, no matter how hard. No matter what he asks. That have a heart toward righteousness. Blessed are they. Because they're going to see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. I love that. I did a great study on that. That's going to be a whole sermon. This whole idea of peacemaking. But here's what I want you to hear. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Well, what I want you to know is we've got we've got the poor in spirit, we've got the those who mourn, those who are meek, the righteous, the merciful, the pure in heart, and the peacemakers. So there's six. So there's a total of eight of the blessings. Two of them have to do with the He doubles this one. He pops this one twice in the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Did you think he put that in there because you're not going to be persecuted for righteousness' sake? You, You should be being persecuted. If you're not being persecuted, you probably aren't doing the word. Because Jesus knows that if you do the word, you're going to get persecuted for doing the word. Because He puts it in here, it's going to be what life brings. Then He does it again. Blessed are you when they revile you. That word "revile" means grit your their teeth at you. You make me sick. That's the way culture should see you. Not leaning against the world fence to see how close you can get without stepping into it so people won't be offended of your church going. (laughs) Blessed are you when they grit their teeth at you and are disgusted with you and persecute you, and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. What? I'm doing it again. You won't. But you don't understand, God. They're gritting their teeth at me. They hate me. Rejoice. Be exceedingly glad. Because your reward is great. It's great. It's great. (laughs) That's good news. That's good news. They persecuted the prophets just like that before you. The reason I want to show you the the difference in the way we pursue or look at blessing and what Jesus looked at blessing is because I want you to see what Jesus says about the cost of discipleship. You see, Mary counted the cost, and she knew the road wasn't going to be easy. She didn't know quite how hard it is, but Jesus knows that the road following him is not an easy road. And so what he says in Luke chapter 14 verse 25, he says, now there was a whole bunch of crowds around him and he said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, mother, wife, and children, and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And you say, well, that sounds out there. It does. And he meant it. This is not there. Not to get your attention, this is to get mine in your attention. Whoever does not bear his own cross, his instrument of death, dying to himself and come after me cannot be not my disciple. For which of you, and then this is what I want you to, to understand. Which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see will mock him. He's talking about the Christian life. There's, it's this life to be lived. It's a, it's a building. It's, a, it's this house that's being built. And you need to finish. And it's going to be difficult, and you need to count the cost on what it's going to take to finish strong. You know, we we come to this time of year and it's Christmas and we reflect and then we look ahead and God will give us visions about next year and put in our heart, if we'll ask him, he will give us an attack plan, a righteous attack plan, not so you can build your own kingdom, but so you can build his. And, And he's saying, you need to count the cost. Or people will are, are, are make fun of you because you don't finish strong. Well, what happened to him? Well, he fell away. What happened to him? Well, he fooled around on his wife. She fooled around on her husband. What happened to him? Well, he got, he got in the bottle. Wasn't he on fire for God? Yeah. They didn't count the cost. Or what king, listen to this, I love this stuff, there's so much in here. Or what king going out to encounter another king at war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? It says, count the cost. You got 10, he's got 20. Can you win? Maybe. Maybe. But you better have a plan. You better have counted the cost. But if you can't win, look at what it says. Deliberate. And if you can't win, while the other is yet far off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. He has a plan. Even in defeat. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has, cannot be my disciple. That's the requirement. And he says count the cost. Mary counted the cost. This morning I just want to tell you that we're going to get in some warfare in the coming years. It's going to be fun. We're going to rejoice exceedingly glad, but it's going to be a war. It is a war. One of the things you told me in the hospital, you said, "This this ain't going away without victory. I'm not going through this not to have a big victory on the other side. God's got something that's going to be huge because I'm having to deal with this. That is our Christmas spirit. Our Christmas spirit is your maidservant, your manservant, your servant. Paul says, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. I'm a son and a servant. Whatever you say, God. Whatever your word says, (laughs) I'm going to do it. As a believer, we've got right now we've got the New Testament ninety days out on the uh, on the uh, information center out there, and it's on our website as well, so that you so that it could spearhead you into it. But not reading the Word is not an excuse not to do the Word. You're a believer if you're a believer, or you're going to it's going to be even rougher. You want to you want to put on the name of God in front of Satan, and he is you know a third of the angelic hosts without protection of god and without the word you have no ability to be victorious that is not <laughs> poor in spirit you you've got to value the word you've got to Put it in your heart. Look at what Jesus said. This, this is a power. This is out of the message, and I love the way it's put. It's Luke eleven twenty three, 23, and it says this. This is out of the message. This is war, and there's no neutral ground. I love the way the church tries to take away, uh, the church in, in our culture in America today tries to take away the black and white and make everything gray. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. This is black and white. He said, this is war, and there's no neutral ground. If you're not on my side, you're the enemy. If you're not helping, you're making things worse. <laughs> uh, what a great Christmas message, isn't it? Don't you feel all warm and fuzzy inside? The truth. Rejoice! Be exceedingly glad. Why? Because we now are positioned to see God. We actually have the ability to see God now because we're sober. And we can agree and align ourselves with him and then see the hand of God move and go, oh my goodness, I've seen the Lord. And it says that when people see our good works, it will bring glory to him. It'll bring glory to God. How? When they see you responding to the Word in black and white. Lord, this Christmas, let us not play games. Let us not get lost in the American dream. Let us see the reality of a world that is broken And a God who loves it so much that he died for it and be on mission to bring good, bring kingdom where there there seems to be no kingdom. And in the midst of that hardship and that battle, we're going to see God. And it's going to be cool. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. So we're going to go into this coming year realizing it's going to be a fight, but we win. Though we're weary, though we're tired, we're going to be renewed. We're going to be empowered by God. How's how's it going to happen, Pastor? Well, the Holy Spirit lives in you, and it's going to come upon you. And it's going to empower you with great grace. You shout great grace to it. And allow and see the strong arm of the Lord. Yeah, that's how victory's coming next year. What do I have to do? You have to hear the word and do it. And you'll be blessed. Let's stand. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, for, thank you for Luke, God. Thank you, Lord, for seeing how much I needed to hear Luke, Lord. Thank you, God, for using him to write down the words of Jesus so that I could hear the heart and the nature of God himself who says, I didn't come to take the smallest punctuation mark out of the word, or, or to correct what it. What I came to do was to give you revelation and the fullness of the nature and the character of God. And so, Father, as we come to you this Christmas, may we see what is available to us who believe. May we really understand, God, that, that without doing your word, There's no way to be blessed. The the blessing is brought by obedience. Obedience to your word and your way. I thank you for that. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.